The Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him. Because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick, Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of, the, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. First of all, I want to say what a joy it is to be here with you. Though my wife, daughter, and I moved west to Northern California a year ago, Holy Trinity is still my home church, and it's a joy to share this space with you today. The human realm is all about possibilities. The human will is limited to what's possible. But today, in our gospel word from John, we're bumping up against the impossible. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus mentioned in all four Gospels. It's a big deal. It shows that our God makes the impossible possible. As I speak, my beloved home, the western U.S., is drying out and burning to a crisp. You've seen the news, and I can verify it's not fake. Reservoirs are at all-time lows. Houseboats sit perched on cinder blocks because there's not enough water to hold them. Every time I turn on the tap, I wince. Is it going to come out? 
wildfire season, which routinely starts in mid-September, now kicks off in July. The Beckworth Complex fire, our second biggest wildfire in California for this year, start on July 3rd. We could see the flames from our yard. Though we're glad it's now almost fully contained, that fire burned 105,000 acres. Frenchman Lake, where my wife, daughter, and I go to swim and hike and fish, has been completely ravaged by that fire. And it's only July. Now that's just me in my neck of the woods, out west. But you have your own impossibilities in life, from micro to macro levels, cancer diagnoses, sobriety issues, divorce, heartbreak, estrangement from kids, job loss, and the elephant in the room, a global pandemic we've all been navigating for over a year with no real end in sight. It's all just impossible. In today's gospel passage, Jesus and his disciples saunter up a mountainside and take a seat at the top. It might have been peaceful for a moment. This was, after all, the days before people owned those obnoxious external Bluetooth speakers that they bring into beautiful remote spaces and blast awful music because, hey, everyone likes Nickelback, right? I digress. But soon they see a crowd of hungry people closing in on them, 5,000 to be exact. It's a daunting scene, and Jesus voices to Philip the concern on all of the disciples' mind, testing him. Hey, Phil, how are we going to feed them all? I can see a slight smirk on his face as Philip's wheels start to spin. Philip, having had experience in the catering business, I guess, does some quick math in his head. Let's see here. Catering, a party of 5,000 people would take, uh, ding, half a year's salary. 25 grand in today's American money. Jesus is no Joel Osteen. He doesn't carry around that kind of cash. Now, some people credit the generosity of the disciples for the feeding of the 5,000. Like the disciples were just such generous people that they were able to somehow feed the 5,000. But here's what the word basically states that the disciple Andrew says Hey, Jesus. I saw this poor kid with five loaves of cheap bread and some fish. I mean, we could swipe his food no problem, but it wouldn't get us very far. Very generous, Andrew. Very generous. Anyhow, I can totally relate to Philip and the disciples. I mean, if I were Philip, I'd be saying, okay, we can't afford 25K in catering fees, so once we steal the kid's food, how can we stretch it? I mean, these people need to share. We can't tolerate greedy people. Andrew, you're working security. Keep this breadline working in tip-top shape. Got it? That's what I would do. And there I am, dealing with what I have in front of me, trying to work within the impossible. But Jesus, he doesn't do that. He doesn't tell anyone to get up and do anything. Well, except for one thing. Take a seat. In other words, do nothing. Be still and know that God is God. This is so offensive to our sensibilities. But I have to reflect, what did Lazarus do to be resurrected? 
nothing. As the late and great Robert Capon wrote, making things jump out of nothing is God's favorite act. Jesus shows us that God is not in the fix-it business. God is in the resurrection business. Where we see limitation and lack, Jesus sees abundance. Where I see a massive forest fire, God uses that fire to regenerate that same forest. Native Americans have long understood this and cultivated the land thousands of years before John Muir arrived by routinely burning the underbrush. But our recent logical and well-meaning laws have prevented them from doing these ceremonial control burns. Now, I know the problem of our climate crisis is far bigger than this. The scope of my meager sermon can only go so far. But maybe if we could spend more time sitting there, as Jesus commanded, we wouldn't put a well-intentioned halt to the things that might actually help us. Our minds are so focused on making sense of things, on logic, on problem solving. This is our only way and you can't blame us. But Jesus doesn't function like that. Unlike us, Jesus isn't limited to what's there in front of him. Jesus creates abundance where there is none, out of nothing. In today's gospel, Jesus doesn't snap his fingers and end world hunger. No, that's what you and I would do. Rather, he gives us a small sampling of this and satisfies just those who are gathered with leftovers afterward. And what do we do? We do exactly what Jesus expects us to do. We go for a power grab. We start to try to make him our king by force the word states. We start to try to get him to be our cosmic winning lottery ticket, but Jesus will have none of it. When I look at our forests and reservoirs out west, all I see is rubble, ash, and vast, dry bathtub rings around lakes. When I see the COVID numbers, all I see is death. But the good news is, as uncomfortable as it might make us, death is the raw material of God. Into death and loss and destruction, God speaks reckless love, plentiful abundance, and new life. Yes, we will do what we can to help, conserve, and rehabilitate. We'll wear our masks, get our vaccines, and take care of the most vulnerable among us. We'll seek help when we can, and we'll offer support to those in our lives. It's what we do, and it's what is right. But in order for us to have transcendent hope in any hopeless situation, we must know that we and our planet are held in the eternal love of Christ, for he is the bread of life. May you heed the simple words of Jesus on the mountaintop that day. May the faith that Jesus works in you move you to stop on that grassy field, your belly growling, your spirits weary, and your nerves frayed by all that mounts against you. And may you take a seat. May you behold the power 
and the immensity of God's endlessly creative and restorative nature. For as I learned, the fire that destroys the forest is the same fire that regenerates it, clearing away the dead underbrush and waking up tiny acorns in the ground in order to make way for new life. It's not a pretty process, but it is a miraculous one. Dear friends, may we do what we can with what's in front of us in good cheer. And may we trust the work of God that breathed life into the moon and stars, who pulses the heart in your chest even while you sleep, who sent planets and galaxies spinning into motion all out of nothing. You are fed through this love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Newness is coming and God is here. Amen.